Today, uh, you got a few things. First, you got a little candy. I go, oh, look what I got. Did you see this? Someone put this on there. That's awesome. I'm gonna, I, normally, I give this out, but like, I love that. So uh, I'm going to eat that a little, little bit later. That's cool. Um, you got a little candy because tomorrow is Valentine's Day. But today, I don't know, you guys. It's a Super Bowl, right? Uh, and, and like, good. We were excited for... I, I, two weeks ago, I was so excited. I was so excited. And, um, and my 49ers, uh, God's team lost. And, and now it's like, now it's the Rams, right? The LA Lambs are gonna be in the Super Bowl. And like, uh, I don't know. So go Bengals, I guess, which is like, you know, I don't know. So um, how many of you, like, I, I'm, I'm into the game. I'm gonna be watching the game. How many of you are like, I really, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, uh, is there food? I'll be there for food. Or, or like, like, um, like this is my wife. Football for her is like, whatever. It's on. She's like, is it over yet? And like, no, it, it, it's literally just started. It's the first quarter. Oh gosh. And and uh, but when the, but when then the commercials come on, the commercials come on. Shush, 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 shush. I need to listen to commercials. I'm like, we skip every other commercial in our life, but the Super Bowl is like commercial that's like, you know, I, it's wonderful, I guess. Um, so that's, that's today. And here's what I realized too. I, and I, I realized this, if you follow football at all, you realize, you know, that the, the uh, NFL added a week this year. So uh, it expanded everything back. So now they play 70 games instead of 16, which pushes it all back. Normally the Super Bowl is the first Sunday in February. Now it's the second. Here's what I realized. I think it's in five years, the Super Bowl is on Valentine's Day. <laughs> Listen, guys, that, that's a dilemma. Like that is a, that is a, the, I'm seriously thinking about ahead like, okay, in, in like five or six years, I'm gonna have a decision to make and it's gonna be difficult. Um, anyways, we're glad you're here. And um, uh, one last thing, you, when you came in on your seat, you got one of these. And this is our next series. We are doing uh, we're calling it Hope in a Hostile World, and we're going through the book of First Peter, and we're looking verse by verse. We're going to go through from the beginning, work our way through the entire letter of First Peter. It's a great, it's a great study. Um, we actually went through this study as a staff, uh, and now we're going to going to going to preach on it and say, as a church, let's go through it. And and so this this is an invite card. Now, before if you remember our invite cards, we we kind of had like a a light bulb moment this last week. Um, normally, you know, you get your little, uh, you know, postcard size thing. And we're like, hey, go invite people. And then like, but, you know, I, I don't know why we didn't think of this earlier, but like no one carries around postcard size pieces of paper anymore, right? Does anyone carry like, I, I got a stack of them in my pocket right now? No, right? But you do carry like, what if, what if we did what everyone has done like decades ago and we make them smaller, to fit in your wallet or your you know, purse or whatever, like business card size, like oh, years, it's been years. Why don't we think of this? So we now, like the goal isn't that you like have this on you at every, like, you know, you remember to take this in the morning in case you find someone or invite someone, but to say, you know what, take a few, take a couple, put them in your wallet, your purse. And if the time ever comes up, you're having a conversation with someone and, and it makes sense to invite them to church, Boom, you bust this sucker out. It's already ready to go. It's already, it's already on your person and you weren't even thinking about it. You're like, oh, that's right. I have an invite on me always. So take these, um, take as many as you need and uh, invite people. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for this series we go through First Peter as he talks about 
um, having hope in a world that is just chaotic. It does not applicable at all to what we're experiencing in life ever, uh, but, uh, uh, oh, turns out actually it totally is. So, um, so that starts next week. We're excited for that. But today we, uh, we wrap up our series on contentment. And, and if you remember week one, two weeks ago, we talked about um, this equation of contentment that Paul gives us and it's rejoicing through everything plus praying for everything equals peace in everything. And, and Paul talks about uh, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. I, again, listen, in case you didn't hear me again, I say it, rejoice. And then he says, don't be anxious about anything, but instead through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And he talks about how, how instead of worrying, we should, we should focus and pray for everything and in everything and through everything. And then this peace, this peace we can actually get. And then last week, Pastor Andy talked about contentment is found when, uh, when we align our, our thoughts and our actions with God, that like, that like what we think about and, and do and focus on. Paul says, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, like do these, think about these things. Like are we align what, what, what we do and, and, and our lives with what God wants for us. And, and we know we have this saying uh, uh, that we use in culture today, uh, garbage in, garbage out, right? Like what you put in you and your life and your mind and your, and your eyes and your experience and like your thoughts, like the stuff you put in, oh, what do you know? It's like also the stuff that like come, comes right back out. And, and we see this in kids, right? If you raise kids, I mean, like whatever you say in your house, listen, I'm, be careful. Whatever you say in your house, they will say in other people's houses. <laughs> and, and like, because whatever goes in, we just naturally, that's what we, that's what comes out. And, and so Paul talks about focusing then on the stuff you want to be influenced by, on the good, I'm, I'm, we all know this, we're very influenceable people and, and we can be influenced. And some of us, like, that's our thing is like, you would say like, oh man, I like, if, okay, if I had a flaw, if you could point something out, it would be uh, maybe I'm a people pleaser, right? And, and maybe there's a lot of us that would that, like, if that's what you would say, like, oh man, I know, I know, I have a hard time saying no. I struggle with it. I just try, I wanna make everyone happy. And, 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 and so what, what can easily happen is we become influenced by those around us. And so what Paul is saying is, so, so you pre-decide what influences you and let that be what you focus on. This morning, he's gonna continue through this, this, uh, this incredible chapter in Philippians. It's one of my favorite in scripture. Um, and, and, and he's gonna talk specifically now about, about contentment as is relying on God to meet your needs. And we're gonna look at an, an aspect of contentment that, that is a little different and a little odd. And we're gonna look at the role of generosity and how generosity plays, has a really important role in our happiness, our, our joy, our contentment, and, and, how, um, and what we're gonna see in the, the, the words of Paul and the life of Paul is that, is that what he says is not what you hear in culture today. It is, it is just, it is simply not what we're told we should be pursuing to achieve or, or experience or gain happiness. In fact, what Paul is gonna tell us is the exact opposite of what we're told in society today. 
What we're told today and, and, um, is what we could say, what I would say is this never-ending cycle of what I would call purchased happiness. That, that we're, here's, what, here's what purchased happiness looks like. It, it begins um, uh, as a cycle. It begins when you're little, when you're really little, when you're one, one and a half two years old, when you, when you first start learning words and you're able to speak words. I remember, you know, our kids' first words and then first sentences and like, what an incredible time. And, and, and as soon as they can start understanding words, we see this, this cycle of purchased happiness kick in. These words then get replaced by uh, these TV shows, right? We watch TV shows and it's got like wonderful colors and characters and animals and, and dogs and cats and um, Peppa pigs and like all kinds of, all kinds of creatures in the world. And, and our kids are drawn in by these things. And they guess like they become their best friends and they, they're thinking about them. They're talking about them. They learn the songs and like, they just, they, they take it all in. And, and then what we see is that all of this, all of this is centered around a mini TV show within the TV show. We call those commercials. And that all of it is centered around advertisements. And, and, and here's what they do. Um, it just so happens, like, it's, what a coincidence. The very advertisements that the kids see are the very toys of the show they're watching. And what do you know? They gotta have it. I need that new pig or that new truck or that new train or the new character that is in the show. I don't have that one. I, I have all the other ones. And they learn from an early age that here's the deal. If I get the stuff, I'll be happy. And then what happens is there's new stuff, a new show, a new person, new character, a new theme, a, 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 a new thing to buy, a new princess. And, and, and I got to have that one now, my old one, and my old one doesn't work anymore. And you'll even see our ki your kids do this. My kids did this like, hey, but you have like three of those cars. What's wrong with those ones? <sighs> those are the old ones. I want the new one. You got that one last week. <laughs> like, I know, but there's a new one now, a new color. And it's like, I got to have that now. That's what I want. And what happens is they start associating the stuff that they can get with joy, with happiness. And here's the problem, ready? You never graduate out of that. Now, listen, you and I, we're not like watching TV shows and, and a toy commercial comes on. We're like, oh my gosh, I gotta have this. I gotta have this new thing. I, I can't believe it. I can't believe like now they have like ice cream flavored Play-Doh. Let's do it. You're not doing it. Your kids are, but you're like, no, no, no. But the process doesn't change for you. You just get a little more mature. And, and what happens is now the advertisements for you focus not on like the new toy or the, the thing that like, if you have this, now it's about comfort. It's about ease of life. It's about removing things from your life. This product will solve this issue. This thing, this thing, whatever it is, this thing will help fix that problem in your life or, or it'll, make it'll make life easier for you. And, and this new product, even though it's like all the other ones, it's got a new, you know, now it's made out of metal and it won't break. So you should buy this one. It's like, you, here's the new thing. And, and we are like, yeah, I do need that new thing. And, 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 and all of a sudden we're drawn into it and, and like, 
and it works and we wanna, all right, I gotta get the new thing or the, the new device. Like, like I'm gonna guess, I'm gonna guess most of us, if not all of us, have a phone either in our pocket or wallet right now. And you're like, you know what? It's probably time to get a new one. Why? Because there's commercials about the new ones. And like, here's what they promise. It'll be easier. And here's, here's what it really is. Ready? It's, it's status. It's, it's purchased happiness and, and purchased status. This is the reason like the, the new iPhone comes out and everyone's like, the new one. It's got like 12 cameras on it now. And like, look, look at this. Like, I don't even, I don't want to touch it. It's so expensive, but like, I got it. Right. And you're like, oh, wow. You're so, you're so cool. We don't ever graduate out of this purchased happiness. We think that it's gonna continue to fill us up. And, and, and like what happens is like, like, this is what I love, especially the products that are, that are like uh, the same thing that they've always been. It just says new and improved. New and improved, like, you know, like, uh, like a bar of soap. Bar of soap's been around for what? I don't know, a thousand years, right? I don't know. I, how long Irish Spring has been a thing for forever. I don't know anyone who uses it, but like, I see it right there, new and improved. And I, my first thought is, well, why didn't you fix it before? Like, why'd you wait until now to improve it instead of making the original that good? And, and we get sucked into it. And here's what happens. We get the new one and it doesn't work and we're not happy. And then there's a new car or a new model or new technology, a new thing. And we get that one and it's cool for a little while. And then it's outdated and we get the new one. And then what happens is we die. <laughs> We call that life. And we're always wanting to get the new thing. And really, seriously, some people their entire life chase happiness this way. It really is I'm the new next thing. And I, I'm gonna continue like the bigger, better, the house, the car, the whatever. And, and then they get to a point where they look back on their life and say, man, I think my priorities might have been wrong. I think I might've missed it. And I actually never did get happiness. That's this process of, of purchased happiness. That like, if I just buy more stuff and what we're gonna see from Paul this morning is something completely different. He, he cracks the code, so to speak, of this cycle of purchased happiness. And instead he's gonna tell us something completely different, completely opposite. And it actually is the secret to real contentment, to true joy, to true happiness. Here's what he says in Philippians chapter four, verse 10. We pick off, uh, continue from where we left off last, um, last week. And it says this, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but, but you had no opportunity to show it. Paul takes joy from the, this Philippian church that now they can demonstrate concern for Paul and he wants to be careful not to offend them as though like you didn't care about me before. He says, actually, no, hold on. It isn't that you, didn't you weren't concerned before. It's just you didn't have an opportunity really to partner with me. You didn't have, you didn't have an opportunity to share your concern with me, but now you do. And, and I greatly rejoice in this fact I, that, that you're able to do this. I have great joy. This is one of the, the only times in scripture where, ta where Paul talks about having great joy. Not just joy, but great joy. And then he continues, he says this. Now, hold on now. I am not saying this because I'm in need. Let me clarify here. I'm not saying this because I just, I need stuff from you. For I have, here it is. I have learned to be content 
whatever the circumstances. I, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry or, or whether living in plenty or in want. I, I, he lets us in on this secret and he literally says this in the Greek, I've learned this secret of contentment. I've learned what it means to be content in any situation, whether I have a lot or a little, whether I'm well-fed and I'm like, oh man, I feel good. Like I'm gonna guess probably later today, a lot of us are like, I am well-fed with terrible, not well food, but it tasted really well. <laughs> and I've also learned, he says, to be hungry, to know what it is to not have food. I've been in all kinds of situations to be in plenty, to be in want. And here's what I've learned. I've learned the secret of contentment. And he hasn't told us what it is yet. He's just said, I've learned it. I figured it out. And, and actually in the, the Greek, so the New Testament was written in Greek. And so he's writing this in Greek. The tense in Greek is in the aorist tense. You don't need to know all that other than the fact that it isn't, like when he says, I learned it, the, 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 the way he writes this in the actual language is, I learned it over a period of time, like a long process. So there, it isn't like, oh, I learned how to do this math problem today in an instant. I got, okay, now I learned it. Today I learned this thing. That's not what he's saying. It isn't like, hey, I finally figured it out. Yesterday, it just, it just came to me and I realized, uh, oh, now I learned it. What he's saying, no, is not that. What he's saying is over the course of my life from when I chose to follow Jesus and all the ups and downs, being, having plenty, having nothing and everything in between and all of this ups and downs throughout that process that has helped me, that experience has helped me come to the understanding that, that I've learned what it means to be content. It took life for me to learn this. It wasn't overnight. This was, a, this was a process. And I've learned this secret. I've, he, he could say this. I've, Paul broke the cycle. This purchased happiness, this idea of getting the next thing, the more stuff to find joy, fulfillment. He breaks it. He discovered the key that everyone is trying to sell you. And here it is. It's actually one of the most famous verses in scripture. It's a verse that if you've been around Christianity or church for a while, um, if, you've, if you've ever attempted to memorize scripture, I'm gonna guess this is on the short list of the things that you've tried to memorize. It's this, Philippians 4.13. You ever heard of it? You, some of us probably have that memorized. You're like, oh, I know that verse. You didn't realize that it was situated right here and in this context, but you know that verse. And in fact, this is a famous verse like for athletes. Um, there's one athlete that, uh, that um, my kids love and follow. And, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm all for it. He, he plays um, uh, NBA basketball for, uh, again, for the right team, for the, the greatest team, the Golden State Warriors. His name is Steph Curry. You know Steph Curry? You like Steph Curry? You should. <laughs> um, he's, a, he's a Christian, a believer. He, he, I don't know if you know this. He met his wife in high school in like FCA and they, 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 like, they got to know each other in youth group. Um, I don't, this is not a sermon about Steph Curry, even though, even though I could give one right now. But here's the deal. You get his shoes and he has this verse on his shoes. My kids are like, oh, I gotta have the Steph Curry shoes. I'm like, oh, purchased happiness. All right, okay. Like, you know, this is purchased happiness. I also, I don't know if you know this, it's why we have grandparents. <laughs> So, right? It's awesome. Uh, so they, so like you get his shoe, like this verse is in it, right? Oh, wow, cool. Here it 
Here it is. Philippians 4.13, you know this verse. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, you, you, if you memorize this verse, you know this verse, like, oh, I, I can do all things. Now, here's the deal. In the, the NIV, the, they updated the translation. They actually changed it. This red word, they changed. How could, they, how, how dare they? How could you change the scriptures? Now, here's the thing. Again, remember the scripture, the New Testament was written in Greek. And, and guess what? This word, this, that's here it's translated as this and in other translations before it's, it's translated as things. I can do all things, all this. That word in the Bible, there is no word for it. It doesn't exist. It's a blank space. The word is panta, panta, P-A-N-T-A. And it literally just means all. It means everything. So Paul's saying, I can do all through him who gives me strength. And translators like, ah, oh, that's a little funky. It's kind of a little, it doesn't really flow off the tongue. It's hard to read. What is he talking about? So let's just, let's just put in there. Well, we know he's talking about stuff. So we, he's talking about things. It's just inferred. So, he, so they write, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And here's the problem. As soon as they do that, we read that verse in our English Bible and we say, this is a verse about becoming a Christian superhero. Like through Jesus, I can do anything. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Like this obstacle in front of me, he'll give me the power to overcome it. I can do, I can do all things, right? This three-pointer that I need to sink to win the game, he's gonna help me do all things. <laughs> I can do all things my life, my relationships, like whatever's messed up in my life, what, like God has given me the ability and the spirit and the, and, and the know-how and, and, and he, the strength to do all things through him. Oh man, if only that were true. <laughs> what a theology to come up with on a non-word on an inferred word that a translator put in. So the, the NIV actually, when they updated it, they changed it. And this is far more accurate. I love the change on this. I can do all this. This changes things because this points to what he was just talking about. He's saying, I learned the secret of being content, of knowing what it means to have, to, to be in need and to have everything, like to be hungry and to not be, and to not be, and then to be well-fed. Like I've learned the secret. And here it is, ready? I can do all of this. All of the contentment in any circumstance. And here's the secret. It's through him who gives me strength. It isn't that I can overcome anything in my life, like God's gonna straighten my path and any obstacles in, he's just gonna let me plow through because he's with me and he's giving me strength to overcome. That's not what this verse is saying. That's not what Paul's talking about. That's not the secret to contentment. It's just like God, God doing everything for you. Instead, he says, I've learned that I can do all of this. Not through my strength, but through him who gives me strength. Paul finds contentment in Jesus who strengthens him. It's, it's this moment where Paul can say things like, when I'm weak, then I am strong because it's God's strength in me. It's not me just doing this. It's not, I can do this, but God's given me strength to power through. No, no, no. I can, I can be content whatever the circumstance because of my reliance and my dependence on Jesus. That's what he's saying. And that's very different than I can do all things. Here's what we could say. A content person looks to Jesus, 
not their circumstances. Paul has experienced great highs and lows throughout his life, throughout his ministry. And through all of them, here's what he's learned. He has, he has learned his absolute dependence on Jesus and how, how essential it is that without him, he can't do anything. And he says this, this is the secret. It isn't getting more stuff or trying harder or getting the promotion or, or doing, like, doing a good job on the thing or getting the praise. It's this, it's I need to depend even more on Jesus. I need to focus my eyes more on Jesus and not my circumstances. And here's what you find. For those of us who've been able to do that, who've, who've even in the midst of just chaotic, like really, really extremely difficult moments in life where you say, this is the hardest, this is the hardest thing I've ever gone through, but I kept my focus on Jesus. It doesn't mean that circumstance changes or gets easier or goes away. It's like, if I focus on you, Jesus, you'll fix it all. That, listen, that, I'm gonna be honest. I've been honest this whole time, by the way. <laughs> that is really bad theology. That if I focus on Jesus, he'll fix everything for me is terrible theology. And, and here's how we know it's really bad theology. Um, because when we look at the lives of people who follow Jesus, it didn't work out that way for them. When we look at, there's a guy named uh, John the Baptist, right? You know, you know how, his, how his story ended? He was beheaded at the wishes of a belly dancer. It's a good way to go out. They do this dance and they ask, she asked for his head and they're like, okay, all right, God, I'm focused on you. You should change, change my circumstances. Oh, nope, didn't work. All right, but you know what? I bet though, okay, that's one instance. I bet, I bet it gets better for the other disciples. I bet it will work out for them. And then you start realizing and follow their life and you're like, Oh, they, they, all were, they all were killed for their faith. I bet it's better for Paul. Oh, he's killed for his faith. Okay, okay. But then when we get to the early church, like when the church starts, then God's really gonna make things better for them. Oh, they started dying for their faith. Okay, so wait. It can't be, it can't be if I focus on you, you'll fix everything, you'll make it easy for me. Rather, what happens is when you fix your eyes on Jesus, your circumstances, listen here, your circumstances now lose, they lose the ability to scare you. That they actually no longer can control your fear of them because it's, I'm looking at Jesus. And whatever happens, it doesn't mean it's good. It doesn't even mean it's trivial. Like this, is, this can be really, really bad, hard, difficult stuff, but it does not mean that it steals your joy because I'm focusing on Jesus and I'm rejoicing in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I'm gonna focus on you, even especially in the midst of chaos and difficulty. I focus on you. A content person looks to Jesus, not their circumstances. Now, Paul could be done. He could finish here and it would be, all right, we, Paul, awesome. We got it. Okay, he's not done. There's another element of, of this secret of contentment that he's gonna share with us. And it's this. A content person understands that generosity leads to blessing. Now, uh, if I'm honest, even as I'm typing that up and, and you know, prepping for today, um, uh, I don't know if you know we do that. We, we try to think ahead of time what we're gonna say up here. I'm writing this and I'm like, oh man, blessing, like generosity leads to blessing. This gets, this is starting, 
Like this feels a little, a little prosperity gospel, a little bit of the like the stuff that we hear on TV that we're kind of, oh, I don't know. And, and I feel that. I'm like, all right, I, I, I don't want to, we're not that. I don't want to preach that. But I also want to be careful. We don't just like the pendulum swings the completely the other way. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about generosity leading to blessing because Paul talks about generosity leading to blessing. So what does this tell us? It's actually so incredible and so brilliant, but we get it wrong. It's not about buying things that we find ultimate joy. It's not purchased happiness. But what we could say is that, is that contentment isn't buying more things, but rather giving our things away. That contentment is found in the act of generosity. It isn't about getting something in return. It isn't as though we're saying, hey, listen, you, you want God to bless you? You want him to bless you? You want him to really bless you? I need you to tithe more. I, there are churches that say that. You, you probably maybe even sat in, in sermons that they've said that. Hey, listen, if you, if you re- listen, God wants to bless you. Unfortunately, he needs you to, he needs you to make the first move. <laughs> oh, that sounds spiritual. If, listen, if anyone ever says that, you walk out and you say, Pastor Brandon would be very upset with you right now. <laughs> that's not at all this theology of generosity that you give to get because that's, that's actually selfish. Like I'm giving to respect. The reason I'm giving isn't because I want to help. It's because God bless me more. You need to. You told me. You said you would. He, the guy on the stage said you would. A content person understands that generosity leads to blessing. It isn't because of or to get blessing. And this blessing we're going to see here is twofold. It leads to the blessing first of the one who receives. Paul says this in verse 14. He says this, yet, yet it was good. It was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, and this is, this is honestly, I find unbelievable. In the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when you guys first decided to follow Jesus and you became a new church, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. Okay, now we're talking about finances and, and specifically generosity and, and support. And Paul says this, there's not one church that helped me. What? How's that even possible? Listen, how's that even possible? Like think about, you know, we're a church here and like imagine the apostle Paul showing up and be like, all right guys, I'm gonna set out on this mission trip and, and, and it's the apostle Paul. And we're back then and it's like, man, this is the guy, right? This is the man. And, and, and he's like, all right, so... Um, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go here and start these churches. All right, any, uh, I could use some support. And we're like, oh man, good luck. And that's what he said. Every church, like there was no church who supported him. I, that, I, I can't, can't, that's so crazy. And then he says this, except you only. This is the only church that said like, all right, all right, Paul, we're in. All right, what do you need? You need, you need support, you need fi- literally finances, the, the matter of giving and receiving. All right, we're in. And then he says, for, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Like, like this is a regular thing. This wasn't a one-time deal. You guys have been in partnership with me from the beginning. And, and I, it's a reason that he says in them, he greatly rejoices, like more so than anyone else, because this is personal. Like, they have a personal place in his heart because they supported him when, when others didn't. 
And so he's now gonna speak to them about generosity and contentment. And he's so overjoyed. And, and, and remember, he's in a jail, so he's in jail writing this. And he's like, ah, I'm so happy. I take great joy in the Lord because of you guys. That you, you supported me. And then here's the kicker. This, this next thing has the potential to change your view of generosity. It, it did for me when I had this conversation with, uh, when I was still a younger Christian and having a chat with a pastor about this. It doesn't just lead to the blessing of the one who receives. It leads to the blessing of the one who gives. Let's look at what he says. Paul is very clear now in verse 17. He says this, now, now remind you, not that I desire your gifts. He says, listen, it's not, I wanna be very clear here. I'm not doing this for the stuff. I'm not in ministry or sermons or, or preaching or I'm not doing this to get stuff here. I'm not in this that like, like I desire your gifts. And then he says this, what I desire though is not your stuff. I don't, I don't want your gifts. What I want is that more be credited to your account. He uses, throughout the, the next few verses, he's gonna use this, um, this financial language to set up this illustration as though, as though God is like actually making transactions with them. And he's saying, here's what I want. I, it's not that I want... I don't, need, I don't need your money. I don't need your stuff because remember, I told you, I have the, the secret to contentment. I, I, whether I have or don't have, I'm content. I'm fine. I'm good. You're the only ones who gave and I'm so thankful and it has helped. And he's gonna say, I wanna put it to use. But listen, it's not that I wanted this, but here's what I did want. I wanted you to have a closer relationship with God. I wanted you to experience through generosity more of him. And then he goes on to say this, I have received full payment. Like the money you gave, I've got it all. And then I have more than enough. Like what you guys sent was like, you were generous. It is too much. You were so generous. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphrodites the gift you sent, like the, 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 literally the financial gift you sent, I got it and I'm overwhelmed like it's it's more than enough i'm amply supplied for all of my stuff like like you guys you you came through and then he says this they this gift that you gave they are a fragrant offering an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to god that this gift that the giving of the gift is actually is actually he says an act of worship that the, the very act of giving he says this is gonna be pleasing to God as a fragrant, like, like God smelling this sacrifice and this gift is gonna say, oh man, I'm so, they did it. It's so, what a, what, a, what a wonderful act of worship. And he says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the, and then he, again, he uses, he flips this financial language on its head, according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And listen, you, you gave out of your, like the, the possessions you have. And, and now guess what? God's gonna give you out of the riches that he has. And it's not more money. It's not more stuff. But what he's gonna give you is this glory that is found in Christ Jesus. He's gonna meet all your needs according to his riches. Now, I, if we're gonna compare like, all right, who wins out on this? <laughs> like, the, can I outgive God? Or, or is God saying like, hey, I'm, I'm gonna pour out, I'm gonna meet your needs 
from my glorious riches. Like, oh, I think, I think that's the better position to be in, to be a receiver of, of God's blessing and meeting of our needs. Paul didn't need or want their money. What he wanted for them was a close relationship with God. And then he says, because you did this, listen, I, you, God is gonna keep meeting your needs and it's gonna, he's, this, this wonderful act of worship that you've done. Now, uh, at, a, at, at a moment like this, here's the temptation. The temptation is to then say, well, all right, if I want more of God, I just need to give more. And, and you know, there may be some churches who would at this moment say, and, and now we start our building project. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying that at all. In fact, this isn't, a, um, this isn't a moment where we're like, hey, you know what? So because of this, you should give more to your church. No, 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 no. I, this, it isn't, I, I honestly can say like Paul, this isn't because we desire your gifts. Like, hey, you just need to give more. Although maybe you've sat through sermons or been in churches where it is like, hey, a little, a little more. Offering second time, run it through a second time. This really is like Paul where he says, I want you to experience generosity because generosity breaks. It literally breaks you out of this purchased happiness cycle and it changes you. And it changes your experience of God and the circumstances around you. All of a sudden it's like, man, like, I like, and some of you know this, if you're, if you're really good at giving and that's your gift and, and you just love it and, and, uh, and like maybe it's your love language or spiritual gift and like, it's not mine. So like giving is like, you know, I'll give, you know, I think a perfect example, none of you are getting my Snickers. <laughs> this is for, I'm like, oh, I'll give it to you, child. Oh, fine, right? Even though you're my child, I fine, take my food. But some of you understand this and you're like, man, I love giving. And, and like the joy you get is not like this blessing or something. It's like, I just want to help someone else. And the joy that I get is just seeing, like meeting their needs. I, I remember talking with a pastor once about this because, because it, felt, it felt weird. Even being in ministry, it felt, um, there, are, there are times where people would want to help out or, um, you know, or uh, meet a need, uh, whether it be a financial or possession or something. And, and, and in me, like for me, it was a little like, Ah, listen, I'm fine. I'm fine. And it, it almost felt like handouts. Like, and 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 um, and I'm, I'll speak. Of, you know, for us, I'll speak for me, and I'll I'll project it onto you because I know you. Uh, in our pride, we don't want to accept help. I got this. Listen, I don't need help. We're fine. Right? Feels like pity almost. And I remember I remember um, talking with a pastor once um, because uh, I talked about like, you know, someone wanted to give me a gift. And I was like, no, no, it's probably, no, no, I don't need it. No, no, I don't need help. It's fine. I'll, we'll figure it out. And I denied it. And, and he's like, okay, Brandon, let me, let me help you out here. Um, it's not about, it's not about taking handouts. He goes, you got to swallow your pride a little bit here. It's not like the goal isn't that you just like, oh man, I just need help. I need help. I need help. When you refuse or deny someone the ability to help or to give in some way, you are actually denying a blessing for them. You're actually denying God pouring out blessing on them. That you actually, you actually denied them the ability of experience what it's like to be generous and to be generous for a purpose. And especially if it's like, if it's like a, a purpose larger than themselves and like it's to help other people. And if it's for the gospel, like 
you, you're actually denying their ability and their, their experience to grow closer to God. So part, part of, of learning to, to allow people to exercise their gift of generosity is recognizing that this is actually for their spiritual formation as much as it is to meet your needs. What? Now I, then I felt bad. Like, I need to make some phone calls and get some people to send me some gifts. <laughs> Paul realized this and he recognizes this. Contentment is relying on God to meet your needs. And it's found in the abundance of God's glory in knowing Jesus. And out of that abundance, God will meet our, he will meet our needs. And part of the secret is learning to be generous. And not just financially. You could be like you as a, as a family, to, like maybe, maybe your homework is however you live, whoever you live with, whatever your home structure is like, like to say, what does, what does living generously look like for us as a couple or a family or grandparents or kids or whatever the family looks like? What does it look like for, for us to be generous? And it doesn't mean just like, well, I'll just write a larger check to a place, but maybe it means being generous with our time, being generous with, with our neighbors, being generous with meals, being generous with expertise or experiences, or how can I just be, be giving of myself for other people? And in that process, you will learn to recognize and to realize wow, I'm, I'm starting to feel this, this thing. I think it's called contentment. <laughs> I'm actually like, I'm actually like really joyful, like in the act of giving and helping. Wow, this is the happiest I've ever been. You, at that moment, you like Paul have experienced and understood the secret of contentment. So would you do this? Would you stand with me as we worship and Pray the Lord, seek him together. So Lord, we, we do come before you and acknowledge and, and worship you and thank you for, for this, uh, for Paul and, um, and this insight and this, uh, this, this uh, that comes directly from you, Holy Spirit. That the secret of contentment isn't purchased happiness, but it's breaking that cycle and instead saying, we're gonna focus our eyes on you, Jesus, not our circumstances. And, and we're, gonna, we're gonna understand the role of generosity in our lives, how it helps us break out of this purchased happiness cycle. And, and actually, it actually brings about joy. Help us, Lord, as we continue to seek you and follow you. Help us um, this week to be more generous with our time, with our, with our stuff, with us, with ourselves, with those around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. We worship you.